Welcome to His Church Owensboro Podcast. We are so excited about what God is doing in your life, and we would love to hear from you. Visit us at hischurch.cc and let us know about all of the things that God is doing in your life. If you have been blessed by this podcast and would consider supporting us financially, please visit hischurch.cc and click on Give to see the many options available. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message blesses you. hand clap. Come on, let's really give him a hand clap. It's Sunday morning, amen? Good to be in the house of God. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and tell them you look like you've lost 20 pounds. Just tell them that. They'll, they'll go to the pool this week if you tell them that, even if you got a lie to them, right? Make them feel good. Well, I'm, I'm excited to be here with you. I want you to welcome all the other campuses. Y'all give Amarillo a hand clap. Dumas, Texas, Henderson, we love you. Welcome. One house in many rooms, and I'm so thankful that a team came from Dumas, Texas to help bless our kids in Owensboro, Kentucky. Thank you, Dumas, for sending them. We appreciate you, love you, and uh, so excited to see kids minister to. How many know our children are our greatest resource? Amen? There's nobody else like our kids. The Bible says one generation will declare to the next the wonderful works of God. And I, I want to entitle this message today, The Lord is My Shepherd. The Lord is My Shepherd. Come on, somebody say that out loud. Somebody say, The Lord is My Shepherd. Say it one more time. The Lord is My Shepherd. You know, I was, I was watching uh, some Facebook, got lost in Facebook. I don't Facebook a lot. I post, but I'm not on there looking around. How many know like two minutes can become two hours on there, right? And you get sucked into this nothingness and uh, this mindless stuff. And I just have a lot to do. But I was watching and a video came by. And it's somewhere over uh, in the Middle East, I'm pretty sure. And there were a guy, that he had some sheep. And it was a young man tending these sheep, and they had a trencher, and they trenched out this big trench that ran along the side of the farm. Anybody else see this video? This, this sheep got down in the trench, and it was just wide enough he was stuck. You know, it just you could see the top of his back. He's stuck in this trench, and the guy's in a, in a tough way, the sheep is. So the shepherd comes by, grabs his sheep, pulls it up. They're fighting to get it out of the trench, lets it go. And it takes two big hops, and it lands right back in the trench like, like 20 yards up. And, and it was captioned, hey, do any of you pastors ever feel like this? And I'm like, I know that sheep. I know these people right now because I pulled them out of this trench and I've seen them jump right back in it. Uh, if we feel like that sometimes, how many of you know that, that the Lord must feel like that like all the time? How many of y'all have ever jumped back in the trench before? Come on, let's be honest today, right? How many are thankful we still have a good shepherd that'll pull us out of the trench again and again and again and again? He's not just the God of one chance or second chance or third chance. He's the God that keeps giving us chances. He is the God of all grace. Now, I want you to see how he looks at humanity. If you have your Bible on you today, I want you to open up to the Gospel of St. Matthew. We're going to go to Matthew, and I'll show you the way the, the God of the Bible, or Jesus, come on, the true living God, how he really looks at humanity. Let's go to Matthew chapter 9. I'll show you some Jesus-style ministry, then we'll see the way he looks. Uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, this is what Jesus does. Matthew 9, 35, if you're there, go ahead and say, uh-huh, in the house today. Matthew 9, 35, he says this. says, then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, 
was the place of worship for the Jew, right? That they, they would meet in their synagogues, they would have the bread of, of life broken for them uh, by, by the leaders of their religious community in that day. So he would go and teach there in the synagogue. Next thing he did is he would preach the gospel of the kingdom. What, what's the gospel of the kingdom? The gospel of the kingdom is the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus said God is here, the time is now. So Jesus would teach, then Jesus would preach, and it says, in healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Jesus would teach, then he would preach, and he would heal. He would, he would come and minister, lay hands on people. So sometimes he would pick dirt up, blind guys, rub it in their eyes. They'd be healed. Uh, reach out and touch the mute's tongue, and they would begin to talk. Reach down and grab the paralytic. Jerk them up, they would begin to walk. Even spat in people's eyes. I want a ministry where I get to spit in your eyes and you love me when you walk away, right? I, I, most of the time, I haven't done a lot of that kind of ministry. Jesus does it. So he's a teacher, he's a preacher, he's a healer. How many know our God is still in the teaching business? He's teaching us how to live our lives, amen? He's still in the preaching business. He's preaching us out of oppression and out of, out of uh, uh, different types of bonds, and he's preaching us into liberty. And now we know our God, our Jesus is still in the healing business. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Come on, let's give our God a hand clap at every campus. He's still teaching. He's still preaching. He is still healing. So, so the Bible says he ministers like that. And then it says a multitude shows up. Look down at verse 36. It says this, but when he saw the multitudes, he saw them. When he, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. When he had such a compassion on the multitude, right? He sees us individually. He also sees us as a large grouping. You know, Jesus, uh, there's going to be a day God saves us individually. You know, we'll all be judged one day individually. For every man, once they'll die, and then they'll, they'll come the judgment. But he also sees communities together. He'd come to certain cities, and they would have such faith He'd be blown away by the faith of a city. Go to another city and he'd work great miracles there and they didn't even care. And, and he would come out and he would say, if the signs that were done right, right here had been done in Sodom and Gomorrah, man, they would have had revival. And he would walk, he would leave that city. He'd say, this city's not, not receiving. He would just, he would take off. In the future, he sees us as individuals. He sees us as areas. He also sees us as nations. The Bible says that God in the future will judge not just you individually. He'll judge the nation. What do we do as a group of people? That's why I'm still for America. I still pray for America. I still love America. I still, I still am in it to win it for this nation. Come on. How many of you are thankful that, that you've gotten to live in the, in the American experiment, man? Right? So, so we pray for that. So, so he, he's moved. He sees this multitude and he's moved for compassion. I'm telling you, when he looks at us today, he's moved with compassion for us. And he goes on and he says, he looked at the people because they were like sheep without a shepherd. You look at a lot of America today, you look at the world today, you look at people, you look at their lives, their struggles, what's going on. I mean, a lot of what we see happening in our nation, it's a group of people that are like sheep without a shepherd. And sheep don't do very well without a shepherd. 
How many know sheep, if you've been around livestock, now it was literally, some people say, were you raised in a barn? You ever heard people say that? Close the door, were you raised in a barn? I was literally raised in a barn. Really, I was raised a barn in my backyard, cattle every day, started working cattle when I was 13, uh, 12, 13, big enough not to get killed by them every day of my life, 30 hours a week, at least when I went to school. So I know what it's like to, to be from a barn, and I know what livestock's like. So cattle are one thing, sheep are another level. And if you look at sheep and shepherds, you read the Bible. The Bible was written in the midst of the culture of the shepherd. Think about this, where was Moses whenever God calls him? He's tending Jethro's flocks. Where is young David whenever God comes anoints him as king? He's out watching his father's flocks, his sheep. If you, if you look at Jesus during his day, he teaches out of Proverbs about sheep and shepherds. If you go to Israel right now, going into the old city, Jerusalem, there's multiple gates going into the city. One of them is called the Sheep Gate because still to this day they have an auction where livestock are sold. And you can see these shepherds coming and going through that gate. So if you look at the land of the Bible and you look at the scriptures, you can't help but see the sheep and the shepherds. I've been, been over there many times to Israel and uh, you go in, you go out in the community or, or outside of the communities in the rural areas, you'll still see Bedouins living at places much like they lived thousands of years ago. You go over into Jordan, you'll see it everywhere. They'll be out in the desert and they might have a big container they're living around, some tents out there. There'll be a Mercedes Benz and then a guy with a bunch of sheep. I don't know how they get their Mercedes. They must do pretty good out there in that desert. It's all I know. But uh, you, you see it. So we got a God. And the analogy is used again and again where he is our shepherd and we are his sheep. The first thing I want you to know today, I want you to proclaim today, is that you have a good shepherd. I want us to make some confessions of our faith. We're not like the people wandering around in the world without a shepherd. How many are thankful we have a shepherd by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth who is good, who is for us, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever? Come on, he's a loving, amazing, wonderful God. Let's give him the highest praise at every campus right now. You're not alone. You have a shepherd. His name is Jesus. We have a good shepherd. Jesus said this, John chapter 10, said the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I've come that you might have life. In the original language, it says that you might have, hold, and possess life in abundance. So listen, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The stuff we see messed up in the world right now, it's a product of sin, and it's a product with, with humans partnering with sin and the devil. Look at the, the book of beginnings. Look at Genesis. Before man sinned and partnered up with the devil, the serpent slithers into the garden, tempts Adam and Eve, has them eat of the fruit of the center of the garden. They break the law of God. Once they break the law of God, something cataclysmic happens in the earth. The Bible says that the world, all of the earth starts to fall. Things start to happen. Before that, there's no thorns in the ground. The earth produces very easily. There was some labor that had to be done, but the earth just produces. After that, there was real labor that came under the earth. After that, there was sickness. There was never a death or a murder in the earth until after Adam and Eve sinned. After that, there's this, there's this cataclysmic action that changes everything we live in. So some people look at things that happen and they say, why would God allow that? And the real question is not why would God allow that? The real question is why did man partner with that? Can I get an amen out there? 
Why, why did God let that happen to me? Well, I don't know, man. You drank 16 beers and drove home from the bar and ran over somebody. Now you're dealing with a DUI. You think God did that or maybe you partnered? You could have called an Uber. That's pretty good preaching. That's responsibility and Americans don't like responsibility anymore. Right, because then you have to own it. Can I get an amen out there? How many of y'all have done some stuff that the mature thing would be to, to stand up and own it, amen? It's how you get forgiveness, you, you, you own it. So the earth is fallen because man has sinned. Partner with the things of God. Sickness is here not necessarily because we sin, but because sin has entered into the earth. And so now we have all of this mess. So the thief came to steal. He's still here trying to kill and trying to destroy. But then there's a but in this sentence. And what I choose to focus on where the truth or the heart is, is always after the but. As a leader throughout years, the years there have been people, uh, people that love me, people that don't like me. And you learn not to take it personal. Some of it is personal. Some of it's flaws with you. But a lot of it is the position you're put in. And with leadership, you just have this stuff in life. It's the way it works. At your job, people won't like the boss, right? Uh, at the school, they don't like the principal when you're a kid, right? Whenever you're in charge of spiritually, there's people that, that whatever, they don't like you. And throughout the years, they'll come up to me and they'll say something like this. Man, I, I love your preaching, or I love the music, and I, or I love the kids' ministry, but, and everything they said first now doesn't matter, Right? What they really wanted to say to me was what came after the but. So, so I know now I'm down to the heart of the message. So here's what Jesus said. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But, come on, this is where we need to focus. This is the heart of the message. But I have come. Come on, Jesus has come that you might have, hold, and possess life in abundance. So that's what we ought to focus on. Instead of talking about everything the devil does or everything that's going on out there, we ought to focus on the life we have in Jesus. Come on, somebody say this out loud. Say, my shepherd has given me abundant life. Come on, let's say it at every campus. My shepherd has given me abundant life. You know, I just focus on that. I try to focus on the good, not on the bad. I want you to open up your Bibles now to Psalm chapter 23. I want to show you what is my favorite piece of literature it's ever been written. It's not just literature. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit. I think it's the greatest song and greatest poem that's ever been penned. It was penned by King David. And if anybody knew something about the culture or the life of a shepherd, it would be David. David was the youngest in his family, um, a kid that was somewhat passed over by his parents in so many different ways, had all sorts of trouble in his family. The Bible, the Bible said this, David wrote this, though my mother and father forsake me, Right? He had real issues in his family. Though my mother and father forsake me, he, he hold on to the Lord. Right? So, so David gets pushed back and is often out in the wilderness tending his father's sheep. While his other brothers, other siblings were kind of favored by his father Jesse. I think somewhere out in the wilderness watching those sheep, David gets a resolve. David gets a connection with God. And David learns a roughness and a toughness. It's going to enable him to go from being a shepherd boy tending his father's sheep to being the king over all of Israel who becomes a mighty warrior, who becomes a poet and a prophet, who also became a billionaire in his day. How many of y'all would like to go from being a shepherd boy to being a king in life? I'm telling you, our God's a God that can take you from shepherd to king if you'll follow the Holy Spirit. Listen to him. He'll make you rule and reign in life. David's out there. He writes this incredible psalm. 
And everyone should have this psalm committed to memory. All right, I pray this every day. I pray the Lord's Prayer every day. It's a part of, part of some of my favorite scripture. There's strength in it. Here's what David says, Psalm 23. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell. I will dwell. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Can I get an amen out there, right? What a piece of literature. Think David didn't just know about the shepherd, he knew the shepherd, amen? Was the shepherd. Somewhere out in that desert, he starts getting strength. He learns how to live whenever Saul tries to knock him off. Saul, king of Israel, tries to assassinate David. The wisdom he learned out there in that desert enabled him to overcome the assassination attempt of a king. Whenever the king wants you dead, you are out of luck. Somehow God preserved him. It enabled him to become the king of the, of the southern kingdom, the kingdom of Judah. And he led just a portion of Israel for seven years. What he learned in that desert enabled him to take all of Israel and enabled him to lay together billions of dollars that the temple could be built in the middle of Israel. The Bible says the eye of God still on that piece of property right there in the midst of Jerusalem till this day. Man, there's some wisdom you can learn from the shepherd. Here's some things I want you to know about your shepherd. Number one, I want you to know you're not without a shepherd. You have a good shepherd. Come on, somebody say, I have a good shepherd. Amen. Here's the next thing I want you to know about your shepherd. You could say this out loud. My shepherd leads me. Come on, say it again. My shepherd leads me. Say it one more time. My, my shepherd leads me. I almost said my leopard sheeds me, but that's backwards, right? That's, that's what I've been preaching a lot. My shepherd, he leads me. Amen. He goes on, he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Makes me lie down in green pastures. Leads me beside the still waters. Here's what I know about you, church. You know what to do. Let me say it again. You know what to do. Let me say it one more time. You know what to do, church. Don't ever say, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Even when we don't know what to do. Come on, the God on the inside of us knows what to do. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And now I have a honing device where I should go and what I should do. My steps are ordered of the Lord. My shepherd, he leads me. Jesus said this, uh, the, the voice of my sheep, they, the, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Come on, somebody say I follow him. We have the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Now I'm telling you, it's supernatural. Where does he take you? Well, he takes you to still waters. That's what the Bible says. Why would he say still waters? Well, where David was, was tending sheep out in the wilderness, talking about it gets dry, it gets desert-like. It's pretty easy to find green pastures and still waters in Kentucky. Right now, even in West Texas, there's green pastures because it's been raining forever out there. It's weird to see West Texas green. You go over to Israel in that area, it's even rockier. Cross over into Jordan, that place. Man, it's straight up like wasteland looking stuff. And so you got sheep you have to feed and water. You've got to find the pasture. You've got to find the water. Now, it's got to be still water. Water is the essence of life. 
anywhere in a dry, dark culture. You go over into a place that's desert-like, you don't have water, you can't live. And so there's water that comes down. You can be standing close to the Dead Sea in Israel, not, not a cloud in the sky, standing there with the sun shining on you. There's, there's wadis is what they call them. They're like ditches cut out by the water down through the hills and the rocks. You're standing in that and the water starts falling in a higher elevation. All of a sudden that rain can come down those ditches like, like literally like a flood. And if you're down in the wrong place, people get killed all the time in those wadis. Why? Because the water isn't still. So what does our shepherd do? He'll lead us to the water of life and he'll keep us away from the places that are dangerous. If you'll listen to the Holy Spirit, how many times has God led you, church, and kept you out of trouble? Or how many times has God kept you away from a person that had bad intentions for your life? See, whenever God wants to bless you, he brings a person into your life. Whenever the devil wants to destroy you, he brings a person into your life. You have to learn to discern who's who. What does that? How do you learn to discern who's who? What's the Holy Spirit? How does our shepherd lead us? Number one, he leads us through, through his word. How many know there's some things that are just do's and don'ts in the Bible? You don't have to pray about them. You don't have to fast about them. You don't have to get on your knees at the altar to figure it out. It's just written. And if it's written, it's obvious. Come on, somebody. Tells me what the works of the flesh are. So it's all bad business. Sleeping around on my wife, work of the flesh. In a same-sex relationship, work of the flesh. Drunkenness, work of the flesh. Sorcery, work of the flesh. Lying, work of the flesh. Come on, church. Stealing, work of the flesh. So I don't have to pray. Like, am I going to get up today and uh, go knock over a liquor store? I know I shouldn't do that. Come on, right? It's obvious. Thou shalt not steal. So there's all these things written into the Word. And by the way, modern culture is trying very hard to undo the morality woven into America by a Christian Judeo ethic. They're trying so hard right now. That's why we better teach our kids the B-I-B-L-E. Can I get an amen? So they need to know what's up. Because if you think the kids are getting fortified with your Christian beliefs in the school system anymore, those days are gone. There's great teachers that are filled with the Spirit. They're working against a culture that is trying to destroy them right now, though. So we ought to pray for all of our good Christian teachers in that system. Give them a hand clap for bringing light into darkness right now. A lot of people in this part of the world dealing with that. So, so they're, they're trying to undo that, to break the morality. If you can break a morality in a culture, then you can, you can break its spirit. You can break who it is. You can take it wherever you want to take it. Because sin has a way of ravaging people, making them unable to fend for themselves. Then they'll be looking for a deliverer, and they're going to pretend to be a deliverer. But really what they're going to be is they're going to be the people that bind you in the future. So, so it's in the Word. Second way, second way the, the, the shepherd leads us. See, he leads us through our peace. Come on, somebody say peace. See, if you're doing something and you're in God's will, I'm not saying everything will be easy. So a lot of times the will of God is, is a difficult place to be. Not that it's difficult, but it's possible. All things are possible. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. How I many know it probably wasn't easy for the early missionaries to go to Africa? Right? What about Christian missionaries in the Middle East right now? You think that it's easy? No. But, but they have a peace in their spirit about what they're doing. And there's been a peace in my life about people. There's been a peace in my life about places peace in my life about business. And then at times I'll go to do something and I'll know it's not right. Something on the inside of me doesn't feel right. 
You ever, you ever start to do something or you're around somebody and all of a sudden there's like a sickness right here, right? Your spirit man. What is that? We call it our spider sense, for lack of a better term, what me and Jesse call it. It's good to teach the kids that too. Your spider sense goes off. Hey, this may not be a good deal. And uh, you have no peace, you walk away from it. Third, third way he, he leads us is through the voice of God, through the, through the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. Is anybody thankful out there that the Holy Spirit still speaks to his church? Amen. He's still talking, leading, and guiding. So come on. Somebody say, my shepherd leads me. Second thing I see is my shepherd feeds me. Yeah, come on, let's say that. My shepherd feeds me. Man, I look down through here, and he's talking about he's taking me to green pastures. Says things like he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Even where my enemies are, even where there's opposition, even where there's trouble, even where they, they, they've come around me to, to take me out, he's, he lays out a spread for you in the midst of your enemies. I'm telling you what, that, that, that enemy, you know, some people think the table is a proof of God's presence. I don't believe that the table is always a proof of God's presence, but I believe a table in the presence of your enemies is definitely a proof of God's presence that he is with you, amen? But you're being fed in the midst of your enemies is supernatural. That comes from Israeli war culture. What would they do before they went out to a big battle? By the time David has written this, he knows about war. Was a man of war shed blood? And you're not talking about modern warfare, although it can be brutal and gruesome. You're talking about hand-to-hand -hand combat with swords, right? We're looking eye-to-eye, -eye, shields. These guys go to battle. People are dying, and a lot of them. So the night before they would go to war, the, the, the both groups would encamp around each other. Just over some hills, they'd have watchmen watching the other ones. They'd bring the largest spread out for the king, his commanders, and also his army. They know some of these guys aren't coming back the next day. They would get out, and they would eat and drink, and they would have a massive party. And what they were saying to their enemy was, our God is feeding us, and we are not afraid of you. And then they would begin to shout and make noises to try to intimidate their enemy. Tell you, sometimes when your enemy draws up against you, the best thing you could ever do is get a spirit to party and praise God and lift up your voice. Come on, and don't be afraid. Stand your ground. Let them know you're not scared. Can I get an amen out there? See, he prepares a table for you in the presence of your enemy. He takes him, David said this, to places of green pasture. That's feeding. Says this, my cup runneth over. Right? He had more than enough. What our God will do is he'll feed us so well, we'll have such an abundance. Our abundance will begin to roll over and brim over, and it'll go to other people's lives. Come on, church. You're blessed to be a blessing. Amen. You are blessed to be a blessing. Our God leads us. Our God feeds us. Next thing I want you to know is our shepherd protects us. He protects us. We got a God that will supernaturally protect you. It's for you. Whenever you know God's with you, whenever you know you're protected, you don't have to live in fear like the rest of the world lives in fear. Coming out of 2020, we still have a lot of people that are paralyzed by fear in this culture. How many know the fear machine came at us pretty big this last year, right? Every time you turn on the TV, it's like, you're probably going to die this afternoon, right? If not this afternoon, tomorrow, you'll probably die. Go to the grocery store, you'll die. Go to church, you'll definitely die. The synagogue, there's something there that'll kill you as well. Right there, pushing the fear factor all the time. And if you buy into it, you let it get in your spirit. It'll cripple you down in life. Right now, psychologists have a new term, 2021. People are so anxiety-ridden, they call it uh, re-entry anxiety. Re-entry anxiety. Anybody heard this term yet? Re-entry anxiety. They're saying that life shut down so much in 2020 
People went around faces covered and all that so much that now socially we've become so awkward or some of them become so awkward to go out in public now and to see other humans, I guess with an open face that the anxiety just overtakes them and they can't do it. Which, if that's not the devil, I don't know what is. And if that fear that was sold us was not the devil, I don't know what it is. And I don't know, but I'm thankful to see some smiles again in America and to shake some hands and say hi to some people and not be afraid and for our children to begin to grow up like normal people again. Amen. What did that fear do to those kids for a year? Not in school, no social norms, can't see grandma or grandpa, put a diaper on your face, stay in the basement. What did that do? Tell you what, we're going to believe God for our kids that they're going to overcome a year of weird life, amen, and they're going higher. They're going higher. Just got to go higher in life. But I want you to believe God to protect you because our shepherd protects us. He says the staff and the rod, they comfort him. What are those? Those are things that help, those are things that help get sheep back on, on the path. There's a hook on one end of a shepherd's staff. The other end, you turn it around to whack an animal with it. The one is, is there, when you get out of the way, it's, it's God's divine hook to just gently pull you back in. Right? You don't beat sheep. If you beat sheep, they die. They can't handle it. They're, they're, they're not animals that can take that. What, what is that beating end of the staff for? It's to beat the wolves, to beat the lions, to push back the bears, to, to drive off the thieves. Come on, that's for your enemy. That's not for you, church. Can I get an amen out there? God, God loves you so much. He protects you. Doesn't beat you up when, he, when you're down. He lifts you up. I love what he says here. He says, he says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Listen, I'm telling you, whenever you get that revelation that God is with you, you don't have to be afraid of anything else. God will protect you. Not talking about this a lot anymore, but in January, I got like 15, 14 or 1,500 death threats in a week at one time. That kind of thing will mess with you if you allow it to. And I don't know why anybody would want to kill me. I'm lovable. I'm wonderful. Come on, I'm a big teddy bear up here. But, but some people don't like me out there. Now, I'll tell you why they didn't like me. They don't like me because I stand up for the First Amendment in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I won't back down. Now, I won't let us shut them down or push us out. Come on, we are the church. And the church is worth fighting for, living for, standing for, speaking for. Without the church, there is no America. Let me say it again without the church, there is no America. Without the church, there is no America. Without the church, there is no freedom. Without the church, there are no women's rights. Did you know that? Without the church, there are no civil rights. The church has ushered all of that in. And now they're trying to make us the enemy. We're the people that, that love you when you hate us, pray for you when you persecute us. We're not conversion by force, people. You got the wrong religion, right? You disagree with us, we say, hey, we love you anyway. We're here for you. We're not gonna say we agree with you, but we love you. So, so listen, I got, I got like 1,500 death threats, right? In, a, in, a, in a, a matter of a week or something. They broke into my house, kicked my fence down. They were sending like serial killer letters to the house where you cut it out in magazines and stuff. I'm like, somebody took a lot of time to try to scare us here, right? So you're doing business with a Bible and an AR and a couple spec ops guys. It's a weird way to pastor, really weird. Didn't see that coming. And, uh, but I'm telling you, even in the midst of all that, you know when my blood pressure ran perfect this year? 
had high blood pressure for like six, seven years. Whenever they were threatening me and coming after me, killing me, my blood pressure, trying to kill me, my blood pressure was perfect. Come on, it was, it was perfect. Jesse's like, it's like you were born for battle or something like that. I said, amen. Come on, here's the deal. If you know who your God is, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. 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 And if God be for you, who in the world could be against you? So listen, I got delivered of the fear of death. I don't care if I live or die. The Bible says to live, to live is, is a Christ, to die is gain. You can't threaten me with a good time. I'm a Christian. We don't fear death like the rest of the world does. I mean, I don't want it to hurt. Can I get an amen out there? But I'm not afraid to go to heaven. I don't care. I don't want to go tomorrow. But if that's it, that's it. Doesn't matter to me anymore. Why? Because I know he's with me. I know it's going to be fine. And if you know that, you get delivered from the spirit of fear. What do we need? Listen, we paid. We paid for that this year. This church paid for that, that we stood up for America. Now I want to thank you for staying with me and staying in the fight, all of you, and praying and fasting and believing God. Because we're not stopping now. I'm in too far. I, I'm going to do this. Why? So our sons and our daughters can have somewhere to grow up worshiping like we did. You know, we just had Sean Foyt out in Amarillo. He was doing a West Texas tour. I don't know if you've know him, known him or seen him, but he's a, he's a worship leader. Uh, got long, blonde, curly hair. You might have seen him on TV. He's been on all the news outlets and everything like that. He ran for Congress in California and uh, got it handed to him because he ran as a conservative and, you know, just got beat. But God used it to put Sean's name on the map. And then the governor of California shut down the churches and then said, you can't sing, can't gather together, can't do all this. So Sean led a worship protest, called it Let Us Worship on the Golden Gate Bridge. People came out and worshiped God, and I'll tell you what it did. It sparked a revival. Thousands of people started coming out to hear Sean lead worship and to preach the gospel. Another friend of mine preached for him named Jay, Jay Koopman. He's from Pasadena. They, they started traveling. Now they're like on 98 cities or something this last year. Thousands of people show up. People get saved. People get baptized. They, they called just, I don't know, a month or two ago, can we come to Amarillo? Will you, will you host us? We said, yeah. Last night, we're watching Sean. Jesse pulled it up on Facebook. This was last night. He's setting up in Charlotte, North Carolina. Charlotte, North Carolina. Who would, who would think that you would get harassed in Charlotte, North Carolina? I think about NASCAR and cornbread and, right, chewing tobacco or stuff like that when I think about Charlotte, North Carolina. But the police came out. Sean had all the right permits, Sound permits, staging permits, park permits, went through all the red tape, all the bureaucracy to have a worship meeting. You know what happened in Charlotte last night? Cops showed up, told him if you hit one chord on that guitar, first person that stands up to sing to lead worship, we're going to arrest them and we're going to take them to jail. Last night in Charlotte, North Carolina. You know what's crazy? All year that same park has been used for BLM and Antifa protests and they haven't gotten a bit of trouble, but they pick on Sean and a bunch of Christians out there worshiping. I guess the devil gets real afraid whenever we lift our voice to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Whenever we lift up our worship and we won't let it be stopped. Come on, whenever we sing praises to the King, I believe principalities, powers, and demons 
they tremble. They came to intimidate him. It's unreal. This guy, so, well, I watched, but, but the, you know, they're talking, they're saying they're gonna arrest us. And it's him and this great big worship guy. I don't know, he's a massive guy. And he's like, who's gonna sing first? Sean's like, I, I don't know if it should be you, you know? Maybe you should sing first, you'd go to jail. And he's like, no, no, you're the leader of this thing, I think you should go to jail. And I think they should let the big guy go to jail because Sean's got really pretty hair. I don't think he'll do very well in there. Let's send the big guy, right? And so I watched Sean whenever they kicked it off. They, they, they barely hit any music, and they sang a sweet old hymn, right? The whole crowd instantly knew it. They all started singing. Sean's up there looking like the most gentle guy in the world at that time. So he's going to create an environment where if they arrest, arrest him there, he's gonna, they're going to look terrible, right? I'm like, what a PR move. Come on, God will give you some wisdom, amen? Come on, God gave Sean wisdom. They didn't arrest him. But I just want you to see the environment that we're living in right now is hostile towards you. It's hostile towards you. So you better know who your shepherd is. You better get it settled in your heart. You better know what he'll do for you. Come on, your shepherd will lead you. Can I get an amen? Your shepherd will feed you. Can I get an amen? Your shepherd will protect you. Can I get an amen? Come on, he is with us. He is with us. He is with us. Somebody stand up on your feet and give him the, the highest praise. Come on, let's give him a hand clap. Our shepherd will not leave us. He will not forsake us. He will not back down. He will not leave you alone. Know who your God is, amen? He's a God of all grace. I want to pray for us this morning that we have a new revelation of the shepherd. If you're comfortable with it, won't you lift a hand to heaven at every, every campus? Father, we thank you for the good shepherd. I thank you, Father, that we don't serve a shepherd that changes his mind every day. But you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. You're the Lord that changes not. Right now, I bless these, your people. I thank you for them. I, I thank you for your guidance in their life, your leadership. I thank you, Father, that you provide for them abundantly, above all they could ask, think, or imagine. I thank you for the protection of God over their life. I say no weapon formed against them will prosper. I say the shield of faith quenches every fiery dart of the wicked one. I thank you with long life, you'll satisfy your servants. You'll show them your salvation. I declare it in the name of Jesus. Now, I thank you for a supernatural revival. Let it sweep from New York to L.A., from Canada to Mexico. I bless these, your people. We bless this nation. We thank you that you are a good shepherd in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, y'all give the shepherd a big hand clap.